On your last trip, did you discover what the Earth people watch? They watch a great deal of this. In this episode, a freighter gets blown up by a UFO. The humans go looking for it in their submarine. Then it gets smashed all to bits. They are clearly a most primitive people. This week's So welcome back to UFO on the Randomizer, and uh, oddly enough, this is the episode that um, that follows on from the last UFO episode we saw on the Randomizer, which was ESP. Now some of you might be saying, uh, no, not in any production order or broadcast order that I'm familiar with, was uh, ESP followed by Subsmash. Well, it was when I first saw it, because... <laughs> love that shot of the freighter blowing up. The little alien UFO just comes out underwater and uh, zaps the... Uh, I can't remember what this ship is. It's not the Kingston. Is this the Atlantia or something similar? I mean, the footage is, is absolutely identical the way this is. Oh, Atlantica 4, that's it. Yeah, the footage is almost identical. When we, we see it reused in... Uh, Reflections in the water, and I believe this footage was actually one of the UFO clips that was that ended up with world backgrounds and uh, appears in other things. I think I've the only thing I can remember seeing it in was um, Whoops Apocalypse. It was in an episode of that for some reason. Anyway, Skydiver and Captain Waterman are now out looking for the remains. I'm not quite sure why Skydiver was issued this assignment. Radio Shadow Control. No survivors. Some evidence of UFO. Not sure what he uh, believes the evidence of a UFO. It could just be an explosion on the ship. But uh, there we go. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna doubt Captain Waterman's uh, judgment. Anyway, yes, I said this episode directly follows on from ESP. Uh, when I first saw it in the uh, on the BBC back in. It must be that UFO that came in a month ago under a radar blind spot. Well, um, stayed underwater. The BBC started showing UFO 95ish, I want to say, and then they stopped for some reason after ESP. Uh, they replaced it with uh, with Star Trek, picking up from a it's in a liquid environment uh, from a, a previous repeat run of that that had also stalled, and then UFO turned up again on the BBC like three years later. And this was the episode they they picked up the run with, not Kill Straker. What else? Anyway, that's uh, rather I took over. Mildly interesting. Much more interesting is this little uh, oh that insight into Straker. Well, the uh, dictionary defines it as a. Morbid dread of confined spaces. Skydiver's not all that small. And you're not always morbid. Exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. Straker's claustrophobic. It's in the South Atlantic area. Which is probably more... There's probably more people suffering from that than, uh, than you might expect, but... Rendezvous point there where we could exchange a sub-cruise. This is weird. Well, there are dozens of small atolls in the area. Mostly uninhabited. This is very weird. This line. I want to be aboard with the best available sub crew as soon as possible. Uh, for two reasons. One, um... So, best available sub crew. Okay. Well, aside from Captain Waterman, they've replaced the entire regular Skydiver crew, which basically means that everyone we've seen on Skydiver 1 for the whole series, presumably the flagship of Shadow's Skydiver fleet, were not the best available. They were like the runners-up. I 
just find that so strange. It's like, why, why is, why are you not putting your best people where they're needed at all times? Don't get it. I'm needed below, sir. My cabin is at your disposal. Thank you, Captain. The captain's cabin is like the only other room on the ship. I never understood with Skydiver. It, it does just seem to be. This interior that we, you know, the, uh, I don't know if you call it bridge or control room or whatever, but there doesn't seem to be any other rooms on Skydiver. And what we know about the interior layout of the thing based on the exterior, you know, we, you know where the, the launch tube for Sky One is. You can get an idea of the scale of the people. I can't see where there's any rooms for like quarters or even a bathroom on Skydiver. Big place to play cat and mouse. Yes, but we'll just have to make sure that our claws are well sharpened. How do you mean? Well, we're trying to find them. Let's hope that the aliens don't think that we're the mouse. And it's nice to see, uh, to see Skydiver get a bit of focus and attention for once. Right, plot a search pattern. Yes, sir. Lieutenant? And here she is. My second reason why Straker's Line Best Available Subcrew is so strange um, if Nina Barry represents part of the best sub-crew for Skydiver, why do they stick her on the moon for most of the series? We'll be going under for a submerged circuit. Why isn't she permanently assigned to Skydiver? Most of the fresh air. I get maybe she was on leave or something and, and did it as a favour to Straker or something, but it does seem odd. This episode specifically says these people are the best crew for Skydiver, and um, Starting vectors. we've only ever seen one of them on here before. Of course. In fact, two of the, the this four-man crew are complete strangers to us. Increasing sweep on 14 degrees port. Although, uh, long-time Anderson fans will certainly recognise the voice of Lieutenant Lewis there, Paul Maxwell, uh, who was uh, Steve Zodiac and Captain Grey and Paul Travers and uh, various other roles in Fireball XL5 and Thunderbirds. I'm going below. Right. And also at the controls of Skydiver, we have um, Anthony Chin, who had previously played... An alien in UFO. But it's uh, good to see that uh, Shadow's hiring policies of... Uh, they don't hold that against him. And of course he was later... Who's this? Quite soon later, um, Chino in The Protectors. The escape hatch, Lieutenant. Yes, sir. In training. Our navigator, Lewis, he's the one you want to talk to about those. Oh, never mind. Just familiarizing myself with the ship. Yes, sir. How's it going, Nina? Fine, sir. What is it? Large shoal of fish. Sonar is our best bet. Well, you're the expert. Which is why I stick you on the moon rather than down here. My, uh, my assignments sometimes make no sense, Nina. I don't know if you've noticed this. It's a tight ship, Captain. Thank you, sir. Yeah, I do find with Skydiver, the more people we put on that, that set, the smaller it looks. And uh, here we go, Strakers. Oh, he's retired to the captain's cabin, and you can see he's clearly feeling, uh, he's feeling the the tightness of the ship, as he said. And again, it's it's all, it's all conveyed through Ed Bishop's facial expressions and uh, him catching sight of his reflection in the mirror here. Just Ed, Ed Bishop, just so amazing in this show, isn't he? Just oh, I think I've I've. I must have said this before, but yeah, my favourite Anderson character. And I... I would have to assume that so much of why he's my favourite is just what Ed brings to it. It's hard to imagine anyone else in this role. I'm sure someone else could could fill the basic role of Commander, but uh, without Ed Bishop, Freezing. you wouldn't be Straker. Metallic object. 
I'm moving quite fast. I suppose the, the reason Nina's here is... Um, How far? Her role in this story eventually becomes... It, it requires... 2,000 yards increasing. Basically the best actress on the show to be to be on Skydiver and... UFO at this time they basically had just five Dive. Um, so they probably made the right decision it wouldn't make so much sense for for Sylvia Howell to be on board this week as it does to have Nina here but uh, at the same time I just I just keep coming back to that if Nina is part of the best skydiver crew why is she always on the moon Watercraft, sir. moving ahead of us anyway looks like we've we've found our underwater UFO Lovely model work on Skydiver, descending into the water there. All those bubbles pumping out of it. Switch on underwater cameras. And Skydiver has always been my, my favourite UFO vehicle. Visibility poor, sir. I, I don't have too many favourite vehicles from UFO. I think it's probably because with the, the designs on this show, they don't seem as uniform. The Interceptors, Skydiver, the Mobiles, the, the Lunar Module... They don't seem to sort of... I can't imagine them as, like, all part of the same vehicle fleet in in the same way that I can with, like, the Spectrum vehicles or the Terrorhawks vehicles or... Rock formations. Or even, like, the various space probes we see in, in Space 1999. Each vehicle, each main vehicle in UFO seems to belong to a different organisation. We've lost it. But, uh, yeah, Skydiver is very cool. Despite the fact that, as we see soon see in this episode, it, uh... It's not really much good in a fight. Yeah, they've got their underwater lights on. That makes the model look uh, look even more impressive as well. Lots of staring at screens. Is the alien going to show? Is it going to show? There it is. Oh. Oh. Some proper throwing yourself about acting here from, uh, well, everybody really. Oh, chin's down, he's got a serious gash on his forehead. Main system still operating. Right surface, float tanks one and two. Blowing one and two. And I like this as well, once they're hit, they're, they just sort of know they can't really pursue the UFO anymore. They, they react the way the crew of a real submarine would. Until. Malfunction on one. Keep trying those tanks. Hold it! Shut down ballast! And I do like, really like Gary Myers as well. I, I don't know if I've ever spoken about him before, but uh, of the three skydiver captains, I think I find him the most believable. Uh, he's just got something for me that um, Captain Carlin didn't quite have, and... Uh, who's the other one? David Warbeck, who, who didn't even get a name. Starboard turbine! It's nice to see him go from interceptor pilot to to skydiver captain it's like hey here's this competent capable guy let's give him a bit more responsibility both within shadow and uh, and for the actor gary myers as well anyway there goes the little ufo it's heading away toward the surface can we launch sky one we can try there's no going down with the ship for this captain i'm out of here alien craft airborne and that's that slide into Sky One looks so cool. Launch Sky One. Lift off. Roger. And there, there was always a part of me that, um, since this was Captain Waterman's last appearance in the show, um, well, at least in production order, I always thought it would have been 
a horrible thing to do to the character, but rather in keeping for this show if um, they sent him down the launch tube into Sky One and the the window had been smashed and they didn't know, and he was he died in the cockpit of Sky One, unable to get out. I I always thought that would be such a that'd be an awful end for any character, but it would be so in keeping with the show. Anyway, Waterman isn't dead. He's out in Sky One searching for that UFO, and I really do not like the design of this UFO either. Sky one to control. Target destroyed. It's nice that it's a different design from normal, but it doesn't make too much sense considering we've seen regular UFOs underwater before and it just looks so under control. Come in, Sky. Small and, and silly. Contact lost, sir. Even the shot of it exploding doesn't look all that impressive. Down, turbine's non-functional. Anyway, the UFO's Actor. Yes, sir. destroyed, but uh Looks like Skydiver is, uh, yep, we're going down. Emergency power. Crash positions. Crash positions just means find the nearest pole and, or, or wall or whatever and just hold on tight. It was like in the, there was an episode of Space 1999, Blast blast Procedure, Koenig calls, and then he goes and crouches behind the, the sharpest corner of a desk that he can find. Anyway, we've hit the bottom. Good. And now here's one of the, the greatest, um, I don't know what you'd call it, aspects, I suppose, of of having this, this story on Skydiver, having it crippled on the bottom of the sea, is they've tilted the set at an angle, and instantly this, this familiar environment that you're used to of... Control. Overflying last known position. ...of Diver 1's control centre is, um... Wreckage apparent. Suddenly looes completely different. Talking negative. Roger, Sky One. Proceed to near Shadow Base. Starting sub-smash procedure. Roger. And that's Lou Waterman out of the series, except for a uh, brief bit of stock footage in Mindbender. Don Markable's release, sir. Good. What about the power? Well, we're not getting a warning alarm from the reactor, so the radiation shield must be okay. I've sent Klaus Hergesheimer to investigate those radiation shields, Paul. Sorry to bother you. I'm Klaus Hergersheimer, G-section, checking radiation shields. Well, by now, Sky One will have reported our position, so a rescue team will be on its way. Now, we all know the standing orders regarding the sub-smash, so if we just follow them, we'll be all right. Well, let's get to it. Colonel Foster, the... Yeah, the set looks so, so different, and all they've done is tilted it on one side, but... And, and also the escape hatch. Now the actors have to manoeuvre their way around it as if it's a completely unfamiliar environment. Anyway, Strake has issued orders. Everyone's uh, up on their feet except uh, poor old Lieutenant Chin. Listen, uh, do you feel up to going to stern with me and checking the turbines? Yes, sir. Uh, I love Straker's body language here. The shelf before the rescue team gets here. Yes, sir. When Chin can't see Straker, Straker is looking at Chin with an expression on his face of, you are dead, you are so dead. Trust 2-5 to shadow control. We have positive area location on Skydiver Beacon. Homing on signal now. Roger, Albatross. That's uh, Keith Alexander on the radio there, presumably Keith Ford, and Keith Alexander was back for a couple of like radio voices in uh, a few episodes made after this, but we never saw Ford again. Sub-smashers are always different. So Ford could be in charge of shadow control right now, or... I better check things out in the cabin. Maybe they left Colonel Lake there if she actually exists again by this point. And also the shots of um, Skydiver with the 
the cable attached to the marker boy that's made to the surface. Later on in the episode, that cable seems to disappear, and I'm not sure why. Anyway, let's assess our situation. Not good. One turbine completely blown, and there's some damage to the reactor cooling plant. Well, that means we can forget the main power supply. How long will the emergency storage batteries last, Jen? The meters register eight hours, and we can't recharge without your reactor. I estimate there's enough air for eight hours. About the same as the batteries. What's the story on our communications, Lieutenant? Main radio knocked out, sonar and radar working. The hydrophone on the marker boy is active, but the power is weak. So we seem to be roundly screwed here. Lieutenant Lewis, I hope you got some good news for us on those escape hatches. Well, there's only one of them operational, sir, number three hatch. And that's got trouble. Well, it's working, but the systems check indicates damage. In addition, there's something wrong with the pumps. I reckon it'll take upwards of 90 minutes to empty that hatch. So it's good news all round then. Paul, I'll be in the captain's cabin. Crying and uh, trying to hold it together. And I do like as well this uh, rescue plane, the, the Albatross. It doesn't have shadow markings. Can you get any more speed out of this thing? Oh, without blowing our engines to pieces. And it turned up again in uh, Reflections in the Water and made a skydiver rendezvous. You know Commander Straker pretty well, don't you? Yes. Pretty well. If we save him, do you think he'll take that reprimand off my record? That was Burnell Tucker, who'd uh, appeared in uh, Ordeal. He was a shadow operative at the Health Farm and turned up again in Space Precinct, Death Watch. We'll have to start making for the surface. Now, we've got to phase this pretty carefully. We're working with very little air and practically no time. I'm a bit worried about the outer door on three. There's indication of severe damage. What about the pumps? Well, still no improvement. With the reactor off, the power's very low. What do we tell the crew? Not those nobodies. Forget it. They've figured it out for themselves already. And uh, as much as I understand Nina being put down here because Dolores Mantez is the best, probably the best actress on the show, out of the regulars, I don't quite understand why Jeremy Wilkin was replaced with, with Paul Maxwell for this episode. I'm sure he could fill the role that Lieutenant Lewis does here of... Uh, don't worry, Nina. We'll get out all right. Keeping Nina's spirits up. But again, I do... It's not nothing against Paul Maxwell, because he's great too. It just... Full crew, 69 men trapped on the bottom, but we all got out. It, it, would, it wouldn't... It doesn't necessarily make sense for Maxwell to be gone, but... Uh, anywho, he is. We've got Paul Maxwell for... Uh, was this his final... Final Anderson role? Ooh, I think it might have been. I suppose this is a good episode for him to bow out on. All right. Let's go over the situation. We are so screwed. Have you decided on an order of escape, sir? Ooh, that's the big question. Yes, I have. Lieutenant Barry, you will use the crash dive tube. Yes, sir. Lewis? Sir? You'll have first crack at the escape hatch. Lieutenant Chin will follow you in the escape hatch. And then Colonel Foster. All right, let's get to it. The uh, crash dive tube is the safest way out, but it won't be easy. When we throw the control and the water comes in, it'll hit you like a sledgehammer. Yes, sir, I know. I used it once during training. Good, good. It'll only last for a second, and then you'll be okay. I'll manage. Right, well, I'm really glad I came down from the moon to do this for you and get stuck in a stupid tube. No chance of our surface vessel getting to the area ahead of us. Forget it. She's five hours away. We're on our own. 
And it's quite sweet that Freeman's taken it upon himself to supervise the rescue operation. Um, yeah, cause it's his buddy Straker down there. And of course, this is uh, in production order again. This is George Sewell's final appearance on the show. This was the final episode. They made it MGM Borenwood before the studio closed down. All set. Good. Synchronized watches. 15.50. Check. Check. And yet, oddly enough, it does feel like a Eight minutes, Lieutenant. a precursor to to those episodes. Thank you, sir. Where the the regular cast was was scaled down considerably. See you topside. And here we have an episode, really centering around Straker, Foster, and Nina, all of whom would continue in the Pinewood episode. So it's it's nice that they were uh, already recognizing what what an asset Dolores Montez was to the show even before they had to basically that they were forced to promote her to Moonbase Commander when uh, when Gabrielle Drake was was unavailable for the Pinewood episodes here we go Nina's got the long crawl down the crash die flood tube and uh just as Straker was claustrophobic I believe Ed Bishop was claustrophobic in real life as was Dolores Mantez, which is why they stuffed her in this tube. So, all of the strain and all of the fear in her face, that's genuine. Because no matter how cramped the skydiver set looks, I'll help you, mate. that tube is even more cramped. Lieutenant, flood three. That's it. Lieutenant Lewis is off to the surface. I'm also not convinced that this airlock um, couldn't have... There's, there, I think there's room for another person here. Could have taken Nina out this way. She's not uh, not that big. No, she's still crawling her way up this pipe. This looks horrible. This is probably the, the worst thing they ever asked any performer to do on this show, is what they've got Dolores doing here, crawling up this pipe. I also find it strange that Lieutenant Lewis doesn't put the uh, the breathing tube in his into his mouth. Flooded, sir. Like after the water is already over his head. By that point, it would seem to be uh, negative, to be useless. Yeah, Lewis is having trouble getting the uh, the door open. And again, this goes back to my um, my very very grim way they could have killed Waterman off. You you get the feeling here that they are just gonna lock this guy in a. A small sealed room full of water and let him drown. It's again, it's the sort of thing UFO could do if they were feeling uh, even darker than normal. But uh, no, the uh, handle's starting to turn. And normally, when you on a show like this, when you see one of the regular characters in danger, you know they're going to get out okay. And if you see someone you've never seen before in a situation like this, you're pretty sure they're going to end up dead. But no, Lewis is uh, he's made it. He's out. Open the door, and he's away. It's open. He's made it. Nina should be in position now. Prepare to detonate in... 20 seconds. And as discussed previously in a uh, fab fact, this uh, this watch of Strakers is the one that uh, the Andersons gave him after production wrapped on UFO, and he, he wore for the rest of his life. You can... This is probably the episode where you, you see the, the most of it. He, uh, he checks it a few times here. Nina's getting ready. Time to flood the old tube. Detonate. Unlike Lewis, she has got her breathing tube in her mouth. Well, they should be up by now. And also like Lewis, the door didn't open on first go, but unfortunately, she doesn't have any way to force it open. 
and Straker and Foster just assume she's out. And this, this is... Oh, she's so scared. <laughs> shot of her just crammed into the tube no one to help her nobody even knowing she's there we're all of us gonna get our door key aren't we sir <laughs> yeah sure how's the head well i'll be fine when i get up to the surface sure sure yeah yeah um your uh your your will is up to date isn't it yes sir what are his chances he won't last 10 minutes in the water without help Sir, you're only like a foot away. I can't actually hear you. Oh, here comes the albatross. Nice landing on the surface of the water. Try and rest, Chin. We have in one hour. And I, I'm not sure off the top of my head at what point the cast knew they would be... there would be a break in production. I would have to assume that they would know around the time that they were making this, or, or probably even an episode or two before, I wonder if that's why they've they've gone to so much trouble with with tilting and, and at times wrecking the skydiver set like this. Straker. Ed, it's me. Alec. Thank God. We've got Lewis. He's quite safe. He's explained the situation. Now look, Ed, just hang on. Alec. Have you got Nina? Nina? No. She went out right after Lewis. Well, don't worry, don't worry, we'll get her, we'll find her. Look, Ed. You've got to conserve your air supply. Now just rest and stay as quiet as possible. The divers are coming down now. They'll get you up. Alec. Alec. Power's failing. I'll check the escape pumps. They're slowing down. So it's not looking good down here at the moment. The power is failing and uh, Chin is having a very, very tough time of it. And the divers are coming down to skydive, and I'm sure that footage of uh, the two guys in scuba gear was uh, also appears in the Protectors episode Brotherhood. It's, it's flopped the other way around, but uh, I don't think it was shot for this episode. I imagine it would be from some, some other film they borrowed that. And I love this as well. This is, you know, we've got this small cramped set. We've tilted it on one side so that it's really unfamiliar to the actors. What's something we can do here? Relax. Let's have a fight scene. Stop him, Paul. Poor old chin. I'd love to know what he's actually saying. I don't know if he's actually... How much he's in control of his actions or he's just generally delirious. He's trying to get to the door and that's it. Electrocuted himself and dead. It's probably a good thing nobody else pressed that button he touched. Because that was all he did, he just touched a button. And it electrocuted him. But uh There we go. One less person's breathing to worry about. And I love this. You know, death's never worried me before. Right now I'm scared. There's only two of us left, and you've been here longer than me. How do you mean? 
The older you get, the more precious life becomes. You become aware of what life is. Oh, ain't that the truth? That's one of my favourite Straker lines that uh, doesn't seem to get as much recognition as some of his others. So it's not looking good for anybody. Well, it's looking all right for Lewis. He got out fine. Isn't that weird? You know, the, the guy we've never seen before and we'll never see again. He's fine. Our three regular characters that we know, they're still in serious trouble. <laughs> Especially poor old Nina. Just about time for uh, someone to use that hatch again. Commander, get moving. But sir, Colonel Foster, get off this boat. They're breathing my oxygen. Straker gets to be the... Uh, the guy who stays behind. Even though, again, for those who like uh, Michael Billington all uh, all sweaty, this is uh, another good episode for you. I also like this. When he opens the hatch and you see the water was in there from, from Lewis's escape. In you go. And because the set is at an angle, you see it splash down onto the onto the set even though there's electrical lights and monitors all over the place let's just throw some water in there we haven't put our actors through enough hell this week and speaking of hell Dolores Mantez is still with us she's taken off all her scuba gear and is now having to crawl her way backwards down the tube because there's no room for her to turn around there's barely any room for her to to move forward or back. So now, Foster's away, and as far as Straker knows, he's all on his own. Well, still got Chin there, of course, but uh, Chin's not saying much anymore. She's jammed faster. The only sudden way of moving her is by heavy lifting gear, but we need the salvage vessel for that. Is there any way we can get an air supply down there? Negative. I was hoping to use the escape hatch, but it's still flooded. The bombs must have backed up completely. It's hopeless. You'll have to go down there again. And get me a suit, will you? What you gonna do? I don't know. But we're gonna get him out of there somehow. But all of you get to play in the water this week. I'm not gonna miss out. Yeah, as far as I as far as I recall, that that comes to absolutely nothing. Freeman does not contribute to uh to the final rescue of Straker at all. And this is nice as well. Straker can hear banging and moaning from somewhere in the ship. As far as he knows, everyone's gone, so he thinks he must be going crazy. He's crazy. 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 Except... And this is a good point to, uh, to throw some old clips in there of uh, the things that matter most to Ed. Waving at his little baby son. And, um, oh no. Yeah, this is probably just padding to get some, you know, to fill the time with some clips, but this is so well done. This montage of clips of, um, the birth of Straker's son and his death. And Straker looks down at Chino, not Chino, Chin, who's just glaring up at him with his open eyes. I like the very subtle hint that um, you, you know, the, 
the cutting between Chin and Mary is that Mary's tears are kind of the tears shed by all the the parents who've uh, whose children became shadow operatives and and subsequently died like like Chin. I'm probably reading too much into it, but uh, anyway, Ed's realizing that the the banging is real. He's gonna have to go and uh, check on that. That's why they left Nina. And Ed looks like hell at this point, but um, now we see what uh, what true hell really looks like. Nina, oh my goodness, this poor girl. And she can't even believe herself that she's made it out. She can barely speak. It's okay. And this point in the episode has always seemed odd to me because... Uh, as I said, I first saw this episode on BBC, and uh, I recorded it on on two VHS. We're sending them down now. And at some point afterwards, someone must have hit record on the tape during that moment as as Straker is helping Nina out of the tube, because suddenly there was a clip from an advert of um, a woman looking through binoculars at a guy putting lotion on himself at the beach. I have no idea what the commercial was because it was only like a split second. So that scene has never felt quite right to me without a, a woman looking through binoculars. Come in, Captain. You can't say that I don't do do my bit to lower the tone here. This is a, such a serious. Uh, oh, his hands is covered in blood. Subject. Myself. She can barely breathe, and Straker is writing one last entry in the captain's log. My claustrophobia. Last words, a note for Dr. Schroeder. And that was the last mention of Dr. Schroeder in, in the series. He's declared himself not claustrophobic. He, d he hesitated to write, just so damn brave. And I love this. Could that be anyone? I'm glad you're here. I mean... And they hold hands. I love this little subtle bond between them here that never really gets addressed that much. And yet Nina is, as we've covered before on the Randomizer, she is essentially the woman who, who ruined Straker's marriage. Because to Mary had that detective follow him and, and she got those photos of him meeting up with her for for shadow recruitment business, but uh, she assumed it was a relationship, uh, they're having an affair. And now everything's exploding. I don't like this resolution too much. Straker laughing as the model just floats back to the surface. It's almost like, so it was all a dream. It feels like that's the ending we're building to. I don't believe it. You mean to say you just blew us out of the water? Well, what else can oh. we do? Holden came up with the idea. Alec was basically useless. I was got in through the missile tubes. And that's the way it happened. I'm and everything was fine. I have to leave now. Oh, I'm sorry, sir. No smoking. <gasps> oh, she's going to get a reprimand on her record. Well, back to the salt. You mines. don't tell Straker he can't smoke. That's like cigars, Alec. Oh, so now it's just Straker and Nina on their own in hospital. It, it this ending, I just find it. It comes so quick. It's it's just like this, almost like the script is written with the words, and then everything's fine. Pretty close down there. 
it's not that it doesn't work it's just it doesn't quite have the time to which, uh, to really I didn't say to really sink in before it's just over that's what life's all about I guess the things we never say that's another great line well they're kicking me out of here this afternoon I better go and pack my toothbrush you'll be back on moon base in a week or so God knows why we're sending you back there clearly you're more use on submarines than on the moon but hey ho oh that's it they're both back to uh they're both back in uh, officer mode whatever happened between them uh down in the depths that's uh, that's in the past and that was sub smash and oh i really like that one and i know i believe that was a favorite of of ed bishop's if not his his actual favorite um i've never heard of anyone who doesn't like that episode and it's such a it's such a simple idea just just to take one of your regular sets throw all your actors on there just strand them and uh, and see what happens and it's It's hard to think of, of anything in this episode that doesn't work, really. As I said before, and maybe focused on too much, the uh, the idea of kicking off the regular Skydiver crew to be replaced with a bunch of people we've never seen before and someone who probably shouldn't be there is uh, doesn't make too much sense. The underwater UFO is a bit naff. Otherwise, everything else is really good. Some amazing performances in this from Ed Bishop and Dolores Mantez. Always one of my favourites. Really love this one. Uh... 